It's a cliche, but it's true. Us Londoners hate wasting our precious time. There's not much I'll wait for. The queue at Sonora Taqueria? Sure. Access to the Union Chapel's famously uncomfortable but quite cool wooden pews? Maybe, if it's a thrash metal band I like. But thanks to Freenow, the mobility super app, I don't have to wait long for my private ride or black cab. On average, a car is just six minutes away. Six minutes! And that's why I use Freenow to explore London. One app, more ways to travel. Feel free now. I pass out, get dragged out. I'm in the St. John's ambulance room with like an old man in his 80s. I'm up like that because I could hear sabotage starting. I was like, dude, I, you're really, thank you so much. I've got to get the fuck out of here. I've got to go. Good morning, good evening, uh, good anything. My name is Joseph Makatich, the editor of Time Out London, and this is the Love Thy Neighbourhood podcast, the show where someone more interesting and more qualified than myself gives me a sort of guided tour around a bit of the city that means a lot to them. Four locations that hold significance, be they cafes, cash converters, kebab shops, uh, anything really, anywhere they would give uh, their own five-star rating to. Five stars, of course, is what we do at Time Out. We give them out to really, really good things. Been doing it for about 55 years, uh, covering all of London and the world, pretty much, helping you go out. Uh, I have just got out now. Kilburn, that's where I am. It's the Kilburn High Road. Now, this is a, uh, an area that everyone's heard of. Everyone knows of Kilburn, but not everyone uh, has spent that much time here, which is a massive shame. It's one of the most historic storied areas in the city. If you look at a map of the city, you'll immediately notice this long, long road that was of course built by the Romans. Uh, back then it was called Watling Street and it stretched all the way up towards St Albans and it was where they marched their troops in and out for some reason. Uh, more recently than that, it was a sort of music hub known as the Music Mile for a while. Uh, Ian Dury, him, his first band was called Kilburn and the High Roads. Uh, Adele, she got her start here. She's done all right for herself. But someone who knows more about Kilburn than I do is my guest today, who is the performer, rapper, comedian, actor, Doc Brown. He probably does other stuff as well that I've forgotten. He's one of those annoyingly ultra-talented people that just sort of turns his hand to everything and sort of is a success. I'm sure he'll win a Nobel Peace Prize at some point. Uh, but you'll recognize him recently from, from Andor, the Star Wars he won on telly. I'll probably ask him about that. But then also, he did very well on Taskmaster, Fleabag, he was in the David Brent film, uh, Derek. The list goes on and on and on. And he is from around here, and I'm looking forward to having him guide me around uh, like a chaperone. Uh, so anyway, I've arrived at the first location. Uh, let's go meet Ben. Ben Bailey-Smith, nice to see you. It's good to see you, Joe. It's been a while. Yeah, it has, man. Thanks. Where are we and why have you taken me here? We're um, in one of the most glamorous spots in the whole of, of London, one of the most exclusive parts. We are just by the 98 bus stop on Wilsdon Lane, in between Wilsdon and Kilburn. So we're sort of, we've just stepped into NW6, basically. I wouldn't say this is deepest, darkest North Weezy. Yes, when you're from Northwest London, essentially, 
what you have to say to everybody else, Londoner or otherwise, if they're not from here, is, um, oh, I'm from near Kilburn, because yeah. everyone's heard of Kilburn. Yeah. And Kilburn is, is the area that I've chosen for today. It's where I'm actually from. Right. But, um, you know, if you live in Dollis Hill or Neasden, you know, God save you, Halsden, <laughs> Stonebridge, Wembley, all these parts of North Weezy, no one really knows how to get there. They yeah. may have heard of it briefly. So you just say, you know where Kilburn is? Yeah, just keep going west That's from it. there. Where is deepest, darkest North Weezy deepest, in your darkest opinion? Deepest, darkest North Weezy? I would say you're, you're really lost when you get to like, sort of beyond Neasden. Yeah. And it's all like, becomes like motorways and shit like that. Right. I think that's deepest, darkest. Okay, yeah. This is middling, dark, middling, deep. Yeah, and when the sun's out, it's like actually lovely. Like yes. this is where you could be fooled into buying a house here. Do you know okay. what I mean? Like, oh, yeah, it's actually really nice. And we are stood in front of a house which someone connected to you at some point. Yes. Did buy or live in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So this is where I was born. I mean, we're standing right here. We are at Athelston Gardens. Uh, right. So it's a sort of low-rise council estate. It's lots of low-rise blocks. It's the kind of blocks where you, you sort of knew everybody. Yeah, it's like a classic sort of 60s, yeah, low-rise. Yeah, and it was incredibly lively in the, in the 80s. Lively so, how? Well, in terms of the sort of residents, do you know what I mean? So you had a, a great sort of bubbly mix of, of Jamaicans, Irish, and white English, Pakistani, Bangladeshi. We're all sort of like thrown in the mix. And uh, it was a very, considering the time, so talking about like the turn of the 80s, the so yeah. end of the 70s, turn of the 80s, incredibly tumultuous time in London and across the UK but particularly in the major cities like London where you've got like riots going on there's yeah. huge racial tension Thatcher's pulled so much money out of the country and and put so much onus on like just I'm all right Jack yeah that you're starting to lose a sense of community for the first time and that didn't really happen here there was tension but it was always a great mix a uh, sort of like an actual melting pot not in the new york one yeah a real one a real what, one. what is your memories of like the neighbors does anyone stand out in your mind when you lived here the irish and the jamaicans that were here were just and there's still a lot of them are still here so loud in a good way and yeah. um you know there's there's basically stout and draft flying back and forth mixing together it's a beautiful thing yeah there's good guinness around here good guinness yeah, yeah i can't wait yeah i'll get you a good guinness in. oh man uh i think you know reading up about it is the irish were here first in the 60s when they built a lot of the housing and then west indians and yeah then it was actually was very jewish kilburn was uh, it yeah i mean it depends how original you want to go like yeah. if, i'd say sort of modern era so let's call modern era like post-war you know there's it it a big jewish community here and then I don't really know what happens, but you, you see it a lot. Like, I think there was a lot of movement and a lot of the Jewish community started drifting towards like Golders Green yeah. and, uh, and Hampstead. And there's still, still a decent sized Jewish community here, but not as like big as it was. And then I think a, a lot of the Irish who were working in construction, as that shift happened and properties became available, you know, they were the ones to really benefit. And that really benefited us as well. When I say us, I mean like the Caribbean diaspora because the Irish didn't really give a fuck. Like as long as you could pay for rent, yeah, then you could live there. Whereas before that, you know, a lot of the white English, not like I say, not the Jewish community, but like a lot of the, the white English homeowners still had that 
remnant of ugly, old-fashioned racism. Yeah, I bet. When you were brought up here as well, were you sort of interested in the area's history? And was, did your family sort of make you aware of it? Or is it something later in life that you've sort of come to sort of know and that's appreciate? A, that's a great question. I, I think when I started rapping when I was about 15, 16, then I was a bit more... Because, you know, you sort of rep your ends. So I was a bit more like, what's cool about this area that I can chat about? Right. And, and what, what, what did you land on? What was cool about it? Well, that's when I, I did start asking questions. And my mum was telling me about the musical history of Wilsdon and Halston in particular. And it's, it's incredible, man. Like, yeah. do you remember Mean Fiddler, like a huge um, Absolutely. promoter? That, I mean, that started as a venue in between Wilsdon and Halston. Jive Zomba, who Tribe Called Quest signed to and, and various other huge uh, rap acts, was based uh, right on Wilson High Road. And I remember seeing those um, studios. In fact, there was a picture that did the rounds. It, I think it does the rounds every few years of Jay-Z in London in the 80s. And everyone claims it. Everyone's like, oh, yeah, that's when he came to Dalston. That's when he came to, to Norwood. That's yeah. when he came. And there's, no, it's in Wilsdon. He came to Wilsdon? Yeah, because he was the hype man for a rapper called Jazz O who was signed to Jive Zomba. Right, yeah. yeah. And then, of course, obviously we can't claim Carnival. But you could walk from, from here to Carnival quite easily. So my mum's house, that was like the spot. You go in there, like just open door, everyone would go in. Yeah. Saltfish fritters, you mix up your punch. Oh, There'd wow. be hundreds of people coming in and out. And then you just, you know, walk up to Carnival. So I learned a lot about uh, musical heritage via, yeah. via Carnival as well. Yeah, I bet. The food around here, you're talking about fritters and, and, and things like that. you have any particular favourite restaurants when you were a kid around here or cafes that you love? Yeah, I, I mean, KD's is still going, but KD's I used to go for my fried dumplings and my saltfish dumplings all the time. And then as I got older, I'm slightly ashamed to say this, but um, like our version of Morley's in North Weezy is Sam's Chicken. Right, yeah. Uh, and where, like, where would the shame come from? Well, no, the sh there's no shame in like 15-year-olds, you've got like a couple quid in your pocket, that's where you go slight shame is that I still go Sam oh right okay so is it like a sort of uh, comfort zone a yeah, restaurant and I have to zone. pick my moments because if I go in there and it's like four o'clock there's gonna be a bunch of teenagers in there they're all gonna recognize me yeah oh, bruv what the fuck are you eating at Sam's right so, so I have it, to deal with all of that yeah it looks bad I guess yeah. yeah what's your order when you do go in though it's always the same Philip Burger fries and a drink please boss man well Thanks very much for bringing me to uh, Athelstan Gardens. Yeah, so this is a good starting point, I think, because we can stroll down, retrace some steps from the 80s into the 90s oh, and lovely. 2000s. Time traveling. Yeah, Sounds good, absolutely. Man. Okay, uh, well, let's go. All right. Man, it's so hot. Yeah, estate agent's dream. Yeah, yeah, If totally. you're going to see some shitty house or some shitty flat with them yeah. and it's sunny, and they'll go, as you can see, it's really bright. Yeah, and I, just, I, uh, I can imagine living here. It's, there was something <laughs> about fooled. it. It was beautiful, yeah. yeah. It's a bit like when they spray the smell of like freshly baked biscuits inside houses as yeah. well and things like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Now, this cemetery, it's a big, big dog walking place. Right, yeah. My dog has a, an incredible skills a lot of dogs have this but she is superb she can sniff out a wrong or like a crackhead right from like so early that i'm always prepared yeah crazy person yeah and yeah. i'm with her has, has she ever done that to someone who you didn't know was a crackhead absolutely so yeah. this is what i'm saying right the last time we were in the cemetery we're having a lovely walk and then suddenly like i'm, I'm, a, I'm a good few meters ahead of her and suddenly i hear and then she starts. She can smell crack. This guy. And um, 
And I look over and there's this old, old guy, maybe in his 50s or 60s, and he's stroking a gravestone. And I'm like, Meeks, get back here, get back here. And I call her back and she comes and then I apologize profusely to the man and he just doesn't accept the apology. He just gives me a dirty stare and goes on. And then I'm walking on with the dog, admonishing her. And I'm saying, oh, why did you do that? That guy's probably grieving his dead wife, you know? And we walked for another sort of half hour, 40 minutes or so. And in that half hour, we saw that guy another three, four times. And he was stroking lots of different grapes. Uh, and no. I had to apologize to the dog, man. I was going to say like, to apologize you to the were dog. Fucking, you were spot on. Yeah. Weirdo. Weirdo. <laughs> she knew it. I was going to say as well, like you, you were in Andor, mm. the Star Wars one, which is on telly, which is a big deal, which everyone says is, is really, really great. Yes, I've not seen it, but everyone does say the same thing to me. Yeah, yeah, it seems to have got rave reviews. Mm. That's this massive world of like super fans. And yeah, yeah. Is it weird? like Being a part of a kind of... Over, yeah. <laughs> uh, a part of like, yeah, like a sort of fanatical world. Yeah, it is a little bit. You know, I get sent a lot of photos to sign and get asked to come to uh, events, and I, I'm a little bit nervous about that stuff because I just don't have the knowledge. You know, no. I'm, I, I'm just, I'm just an actor. I, I, I'm definitely a Star Wars fan, but I'm not a fanatic. Um, but obviously, Andor has, from what I'm told, it's got a real adult edge to it, like a sort of darkness that uh, I think some of the older viewers have enjoyed. So just to the right here, this is probably the most iconic building in Northwest London even. Here we if are. If you look up to your right, the State Building, as we call it, but it's really called the Galmont. Um, this was like, it's, it's impossible to see now, but this was high society yes. back in the day. Yeah. You know, you'd get Hollywood royalty would come here. You know, the best of like huge bands played here. This was the original cinema as well before the Kilburn Odeon. Well, do you know it's what? It's spectacular. I found out my grandparents went to the opening night or the opening week of the cinema and they saw uh, some sort of war film uh, a long, long time ago. I had no idea. Wow. But it looks incredible. It looks like the Empire State Building. Well, that's what they based it on. Right. I mean, it's obviously a lot, lot smaller. Yeah, but it's not but that it's small. It's still I mean, got a lot of charm. Yeah. And, and, and I love it when the, the state neon lights up. Oh, um, yeah. It's just so knackered, and it, it, this really does represent Kilburn in a nutshell, right here. Yeah. A past glory. It was know. a bingo hall before. Yeah, it was a bingo hall for a long time, and now yeah. it's a church again. So this church is called Ruach, Rauk, I don't know how to pronounce it. Summit, yeah, Ruach. Um, but it's got a good tagline, uh, which is Rauk City Church, where everybody is somebody. Right, yeah. And, and one thing they've got 100% spot on there is the sort of, the energy of Kilburn, everybody here feels that way. Yeah. Even though it's like, as you can see, it's quite run down. It's, it's a little bit forgotten. Nobody here feels like that. No. Everybody here feels like they've got something going. You know? Yeah, it's a lot of life. <laughs> yeah. I'd, I'd say compared to places like Cali Road, uh, Seven Sisters Road, there's more life here. You know, people talk about community in London, but not every area has a sense of community. You know, it's not, oh, 100%. It's, it's not equally distributed, 100%. but this, this place has community. No, that, you, could, you couldn't be more right. Now this is Kilburn Original, where my t-shirt is from, but it's also, this is where I got this tattoo done. And it's a took, tattoo parlor called Kilburn Original, and they have a lot of their own merch in the windows. It's nice stuff. How yeah, do you know these great. guys? Just because you're local and you chat to them? This is where I go. And yeah, great. They've got some nice designs on the wall. I can see a, yeah. a xenomorph from the Alien franchise. 
Um, there's some Japanese-inspired ones as well. Might just say hello to them. Yeah, yeah. Hey there. You guys all right? It's a great shop you got here. You got the Street Fighter machine as well. Yeah. Yeah. Is that working? Yeah, man. That's not. Who's your character? I would say Ken. Ken. Yeah, yeah. That's a solid choice. Uh, I don't have any tattoos. Uh, I don't know if I'm gonna get one immediately, but if I was gonna get a tattoo, uh -huh. would you sort of look, looking at me? Would you recommend a particular style or a design, or, or what place on the body would it be? You think if it was entirely up to you? Japanese and sleeve. A Japanese sleeve. That sounds pretty good. And just just out of curiosity, like how much would it cost to have a whole sleeve done? It really depends the size and what you put on it on it. But like a full day, it's 500. So if you want to do like a full sleeve, yeah, will be like maybe like four session. Yeah, is it addictive getting tattoos? I I can feel like every time I get one done, I start to think about the next one. I don't even have that many. Yeah. So I think it maybe is. It's good to see you, man. Yeah. I'll yeah. be back with the um, the next design soon. Uh -oh. <laughs> yeah, lovely to meet you, mate. Yeah. See you later. Does it hurt? Awesome. Yeah. Oh man. The general feeling, in case you're curious, is like if you imagine a cat scratching you but just never stopping. <laughs> like a cat scratching you for seven hours. I don't think your tattoo mates are gonna appreciate that as an advert for their for their services. But yeah, they are fantastic, Kilburn Original, I love them and uh, yeah, I rock their merch because yeah, it's dope. It, it looked like a great place and they were all very, very friendly. Yeah, it's good vibes. It's good yeah. vibes. Um, all right, Ben. We're standing outside uh, your next location. Yeah. You want to tell me where we are? We are at the the birth of 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 Ben Bailey Smith, Doc Brown, as we know him, I suppose. I wondered why you were covered in blood. <laughs> we're outside the Kiln Theatre, uh, formerly known as the Tricycle, uh, which was where I went to my first drama workshops, acting workshops when I was six or seven years old. Yeah, had the little T-shirt. Uh, it was a community, well, it still is a community theatre, but it's really entrenched in the community of, of Kilburn. It, it, it always uh, had a focus on young people and, and helping people get into theatre who otherwise would not have had a, any chance because it's quite an exclusive world theatre. Yeah, yeah. And the kiln is really the opposite. It's inclusive. It really is a welcoming place, lovely place. Well, you know what? It is such a bloody lovely summer's day. Uh, why don't we just grab a seat outside uh, and watch the wonderful world of Kilburn go by while we have a chat. Yeah, let's get a coffee. Love Thy Neighbourhood is sponsored by Freenow, the mobility super app. Thanks to Freenow, I can get to where I need to go in London in a private ride, black cab, e-scooter or e-bike. One app, more ways to travel. Feel free now. We're now sat outside what was the tricycle and is now the kiln. Inside there, there is a stage and you spent a lot of time on stages. Yes. Uh, what drew you to being a stand-up comic from being a battle rapper? Was it one then the other or was it both at the same time? No, it was never at the same time, but the two are intrinsically linked. There's no question about that. I never ever planned to be a stand-up. It was never a an idea or a, like a dedicated move of mine it was just it was really organic and it was outside influences that, that made it happen and, how, and how, I didn't realize I had the skills well when you first realized that you did did someone turn around and just go mate you're really good at this exactly Do you that. remember where you were when 100 I remember it all I'd 
was still doing youth work for a living and then I was moonlighting helping like punch up a, a script for a friend of mine who wrote comedy. He's called Danny Robbins and he wrote actually he wrote that ghost play two two two. Yeah, that's a big deal, yeah. But yeah, back then he was starting out as a, a comic writer and he um, he'd written a series for Lenny Henry and he got me a gig punching up some of the dialogue basically yeah. and some of the the colloquialisms of the characters and for people who aren't as entrenched in the industry as yeah. you could you just describe what punching up yeah, dialogue so, would entail yeah yeah so um he'd it's a, it's a white guy he'd written a script with an all-black cast and i was still relatively young at the time and he was like look i do young black people talk like this yeah so literally i was in there to go oh actually it'd be funnier if he said it like that yeah or it'd be funnier if he said it like this and in, you also could have ruined his career really easily. Oh, absolutely. Just, just saying, really yeah, easy. All young black kids do is talk about cheesecake. All they do is, you know, <laughs> which Philip for like 1950s slang, you know. But I think what happened was the suggestions went well. They thought they were funny. He introduced me to Lenny. They got me working across the whole series. And Lenny even had me do a little kind, a couple of little walk-on roles, like one-liners and stuff. And that was the first time I was up on stage because we recorded it live at the BBC where I said something and people laughed and it felt good. And when that show came to an end, the producer got me a gig writing gags for another comedy show. So I was like, oh, look, I'm writing jokes. And did that for a few more months. And it was that same producer who encouraged me to try stand-up. Because he was like, wait, you used to rap, so you're a performer, you want to be an actor, but you can write jokes. You should do musical comedy. Yeah. So he he took me to my first gig, put me on stage, and I just tried it, and yeah. that was it. And never looked back. Like, started entering competitions because that's what I did in rap. I just thought they must have a similar thing in comedy, which they did. Did well in those. Started getting booked, and the rest is history. Well, I mean, like I know like battle rapping is is not the same as other types of rap, not the same as other types of hip hop. But was there a small part of you that was in some way worried that your sort of your skill and your proficiency at being a stand up? Would like impact negatively on your reputation as a yeah, rapper? Yeah, massively, massively. And sometimes it did, you know, like even as recent as 2017, I'd put out an album, a serious album, but I'd put out comedy albums already. Uh, and I toured the serious album and everywhere I went, apart from like London and Bristol and Manchester, who, who you know, they'd come out to see the old Doc Brown. Uh, all the other gigs, people would be like, where's the jokes? Like literally shouting out, like do the do the funny yeah so it, it was the you, you like chuck them a bone at the end of each song just one little gag and then on to the not next really one. i just sort of kept it light in between the songs and sort of addressed it you know like i will be back doing stand-up don't worry you know um but yeah like at first i was worried that like the rap fraternity that i came from would be disappointed or disgusted yeah. or think that i'm taking the piss out of them but actually when they saw me, they were like, oh no, he's showing you what you can do with rap. He's not yeah. taking the piss out of rap. Yeah, He's still a rapper. So that, that sort of worked quite nicely. But the main thing I think was that battle rap taught me how to be funny. Right. In so many ways, because I was never a battle rapper who could survive on being street. No. Because I wasn't street. So I had to be humorous to deflect the aggression that was coming my way. 
for people that don't know much about battle rapping, it, it, there's been a massive battle rapping scene in London for as long as I can remember. It's always yeah. been a thing that's yeah. going on. Remember yeah, DVDs yeah. came of coming course, out all yeah, the time. Yeah. It was huge. Do you want to explain the appeal of it to people who maybe are you know not au fait? Well, I think it's huge in the UK. It's huge all over the world, but it's really big in the UK because we're not a confrontational culture. So it's it's incredibly enticing and intriguing and entertaining to see British people like in each other's faces screaming, but knowing that it's not going to lead to violence. Um, it's evolved massively, so it's really different from how it was when I did it. Yeah. So I used to do the jump off, was one of the ones I was a champion of. I was three times champ at jump off. And I used to do mudlums as well, which was at Dingwalls right. in Camden. But the thing that linked them both was that you had to actually freestyle, you had to improvise. How could they check on that? Well, because everyone was au fait with rap, you can kind of tell. Yeah. What are the giveaways if someone's not freestyling? I think being like unbelievably multisyllabic. Right. Uh, match a couplet that's unbelievably multisyllabic in both lines of the couplet is a giveaway. The problem with the format and why it evolved, which I think was the right thing, was that it was always hit and miss. Do you know what I mean, you could never guarantee that it was going to be great. So you could have two great rappers and it could be a shit battle. So what, what battle rap has become, and I think it's a great... Uh, piece of evolution is it's become like boxing so you have months to prepare study up on your opponent and then when you meet it's like three rounds you know and these are absolutely stinging takedowns back and forth back and forth building to a crescendo so you can you know plan your third verse to be absolute nail in the coffin it's spectacularly entertaining and it's really fucking funny. Um, I think most of the people that do it now, they're like comedians. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, they're, they're, yeah. They take, they're taking a note from comedians' books. There's just a lot of crossover between yeah. comedy and rap. But this is, this is a good place to do the major plug that I want in this podcast, which is that I'm taking a, a panel show that I'm producing to Edinburgh. Right. Which I'm going to host for the last week at the Edinburgh Fringe and it is it's called sounds like and it's it's exactly what we're talking about is a meeting point of comedians and rappers and there are rap tasks for comedians to undertake but it's basically like a rhyming quiz so you're working out rhymes on on the hoof um, and anyone can play it but we're going to mix rappers with comedians and, yeah. and, and, and pit their wits against each other. It's highly entertaining. Yeah. Out of all the rappers that you've worked with or you've met or you've performed alongside, who was the funniest? I've met loads of witty rappers and loads of ones you'd think would be witty that are really boring. Right. But Juju from the Beat Nuts is genuinely, like he could be a stand-up comedian. He's hilarious. On mic, off mic. The last time I saw him perform was just on the eve of COVID at the Jazz Cafe. And between the songs, he was sort of chronicling like his last divorce and, yeah. uh, and, and what it's like being a single dad. And it was genuinely hilarious. Like a lot of musicians try and do that, don't they? Like yeah. talk between songs, like garble out like ill-fitted anecdotes that never seem to work but Juju was a natural. A lot of musicians as well I think look at stand-ups and they see something that they they don't have in their performance yeah. and they want to have it like the fact yeah. that it eludes them is probably quite frustrating. Comedians are exactly the same they want to be rock stars. Oh really? And it's just not quite the same you could fill an arena like a musician does but everyone sat down you're, n you're never gonna get that 
rock and roll euphoria. Yeah. But comedians won that. It's, yeah. it's, it's ironic. You've had best of both worlds. At times, yeah. At I have. times, yeah, yeah. Which one is the greater high? Look, I think the closest I've got to like real rock and roll euphoria was when I, I worked with Mark Ronson for for a bit. So I saw between 05 and 07, I, I toured with him and his his band that he put together, which had like among others like Stuart Zender on bass from Jamiroquai. He had like Tim Burgess was in and out of it on vocals. Amy Winehouse, Lily Allen. Santi Gold, Daniel Merriweather, it was crazy lineup. That's mad, yeah. yeah. And I was the rapper, yeah. you know. And there were a couple of gigs we did there where I would say, okay, fucking hell, that's amazing. Like, the Isle of Wight, where it's like 44,000 people yeah. in the audience. Yeah. And that, that cheer that you've only heard when you're in the audience at a festival, that was unlike anything I felt ever in my, in my life. But at the same time, it wasn't really mine, it was his show. But it's still like getting to the end of like Ui rapping Ghostface's verse. It was oh. one, of, one of my big jobs. Yeah. Because yeah. obviously yeah. Ghost was not going on that tour. Uh, and, and getting the cheer was like, yeah, it's amazing. Uh, do you want to move on to the next place? As lovely as it is. Uh... It is nice out here. Yeah, yeah, a, a, nice. a good bit of Kilburn life going back and forth. <laughs> All right, Ben, we're standing outside the last place yes. uh, that you've brought me to. It's a pub. Do you want to say where we are? Yes, well, I, anybody who knows me knows I'm pretty much obsessed with the pub. I, I love going to the pub, and pubs of London is one of my favourite pastimes. I just love hanging out. This is an underappreciated gem. It's, it, in Kilburn, it's famous. It's, it's the Colin Campbell, directly opposite the Kiln Theatre. It's an old Irish pub. You'll see when you go in it is it's got that untouched kind of homely quality it's a, it's a public house yeah because I, I was going to say you could have taken us yeah, to right, the black line couple which doors is down the, the black line is beautiful yeah. kind of gastro modern gastro pub you never heard of any of the beers that kind of thing but you said you no know, get yourself a munch and hells or something but there's something about this place and you'll see when you go in like if you come here on saint patrick's day for example kilburn is the best place in london like to go St. Patrick's Day and Colin Campbell is the best pub in London to go on St. Patrick's Day it's proper like and it is heaving in there it's like New Year's Eve it's fantastic yeah um, there's, there's not that many pubs that retain the old school pub ambience and no. are actually good as well no. like so many clothes or are actually Irish you know like yeah. you get a lot of places that sort of feel about as Irish as an Irish pub in Dubai yeah. or New York you know yeah, yeah. like this is proper well it looks proper so we let's, should get a Guinness let's head inside let's do it Cheers. Yeah, cheers, mate. Mm. What what are like if you pretend we weren't here? What are the ingredients of like a, a proper pub? Because you are, yeah. you're like me. You are a pub person. I am. Yeah. yeah, and and you know a lot of people say no. That basically means you're an alcoholic. But <laughs> the, <laughs> the the thing the thing that distances me from that is we could do a podcast just about London pubs, and Easy. I could take you to maybe thirty or forty that I frequent, and they they know me. Yeah. But Fuck this podcast. Let's do that one. They, that sounds really they, good. They also, if you ask them, you're like, guys, seriously, on the low, is this guy like an alcoholic that yeah. I'm interviewing? They go, you know what? I've never seen him have more than two. Yeah. Because that's what I do. Like, I'll finish like a voiceover or a finish shooting or a finish a meeting. And I think, where am I? 
Yeah. If I'm in this area, I go, oh, you know what? I'm not too far away from pub X. Yeah. And I'll go, I'll have one, and then I head home. Yeah. Do you know what I mean, that's yeah, my, yeah. Uh, but I just love it. It's is like, it, a, it's like it a pit the, stop. Yeah, it's a pit stop. And is it also the idea that you are in somewhere potentially sociable that like a stranger might chat? Do you know yeah, what I mean? It could, maybe it will turn into something, yeah. you know, but most of the time it is like, it's my way of um, decompressing. Do you yeah. know what I mean? I'll just sit have a pint, just drink it slowly, watch the world go by, and then I'm on my way. I've 100%. never been one to, unless it's a special occasion, to stay in, in a pub like all day and all night. Like. Yeah, I'm gonna end this chat mm. by just asking you a load of knee-jerk response, quick-fire okay. questions right. about what your five-star things are in London. Oh, things man. that like, okay. you'd award five stars to, and I want it to be the first thing that sort of comes to your yeah, mind. Yeah, sure. Now, this is my specialist subject. Let's go. I'm not going to overthink any of these. No overthinking. I, I, I want it just like uh, straight off the dome. First off, if we weren't in this uh, really, really brilliant pub that you love, what is your five-star London pub? Oh, fuck. That's a tough one. Um, okay. I love the... Uh, if I wanted something equivalent to this in terms of quietness, coziness, and sort of just off the beaten path, I go Uxbridge Arms, Notting Hill Gate. Uxbridge Arms. What is your five-star tourist attraction? A good one. Oh, man, it would be... Is it, is it touristy? Is, I guess it's not really touristy, but I think it's amazing. It's my favourite place in London. St Dunstan's in the East. Brilliant choice, yeah. Unbelievable place. No matter how bad I'm feeling, it, it settles my soul. Yeah. It's jaw-droppingly beautiful, underappreciated, right there in the middle of the city. Yeah, and in plain it, sight. And it is an oasis hiding in plain sight. That's exactly what it's doing. Right, yeah. Well, if you've not been there, go and check it out. And if you do see Doc there uh, being at one with himself, don't yeah. bother him. Don't bother he, me, man. He just wants to be left alone. Yeah. <laughs> Five-star pizza. Don't know if you're a pizza you, guy. I love pizza. You know, I just tried that one in Finsbury Park, and it was fucking phenomenal but i can't remember what it was called one in finsbury park this it's sort of my job to know that oh man it's so good yard sale yard sale oh my god it's so good yard sale we did a big old um contest where we had a big tournament where all the pizza places were pitted against each other banging it won it came out first oh my god it's good what is your five star park Oh, God, I love so many parks. That's crazy. I mean, it's, the Heath feels really boring to say, but it's I just love it so much, man. I can't think of any other park where I will still occasionally get lost and then not worry at all, because if I keep walking, I'll eventually get yeah. to where I started. What is your five-star roast? Uh, now, see, I'm very particular about roasts, and this is going to sound like a real wanker thing to say, but it's my own. Your so, own roast. Yeah, yeah. Okay, good. I yeah. don't like going to pubs for roasts. I don't no. like anybody else's roast. I'll go like someone's house. Yeah. Go for, to theirs for a roast. But I don't like a roast dinner. I don't like to buy a roast dinner. I guess the Jamaican part of me, I, I love like my chicken really well done. Like, yeah. Almost dry. Like, yeah. Almost. Yeah, yeah. But like you've cooked it for so long, there's flavor all the way through to the bone. Because chicken's yeah. not that. It's not the most flavorful meat. When you're doing it, are you putting anything on the skin first? Or? Yeah, man, I'm, I'm, I'm stabbing that chicken yeah. first and foremost. I'm stabbing it with a knife and then I'm getting like, I'm half garlic cloves and sticking them into the stab marks. Yeah. Cut a line in the skin, get butter and then I rub the whole of the top of the 
chicken yeah, and fish. Yeah, yeah. And then like Malden salt, like the best salt. Always. That's my Always five star Malden, salt, by yeah. the way. Five star salt, Malden. Pepper. And just get like a flavor all around the chicken. And I cook it for fucking ages. Do you? Because yeah. they always say, you know, you can't yeah, cook it. like hour and a half, yeah. hour. I'm like three hours. Bro. Really? Yeah. <laughs> and next one is what is your five star cup of coffee? I don't drink coffee. No I can't coffee. Answer. Well, is there a cafe that does like a cup of tea or chai or something that you love? Tea is a, for me, is a lot like roast dinner. Well, so I you don't tea, trust other people with it. Tea did make you famous. It did very much so. Yeah, yeah. If you want to but explain what you, happened if there, you, if, people if don't you know. listen to the lyrics of the song that I wrote in 2012 for the Russell Howard show, it's a very specific diatribe about how I like my tea done. And essentially, what I've learned is that. I can't trust any other human being to make it. One thing that song did do for me, which is great, is that occasionally I'll be in a cafe where someone knows the song and they work really hard to make the tea good and they stand there like sweating yeah, while yeah, I sip yeah. it. Then I give them the nod like the man from Del Monte. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a like great moment. It's like you're the tea equivalent of like the Michelin yeah, yeah. judge or something. Yeah, I mean, I feel like if we don't now ask for you to walk through a perfect cup of tea it's massively <laughs> remiss well i mean it's famously put down in in song but here's how it goes and it's very very straightforward so you boil the kettle you got your cup decent sized mug not a little one tea bags already in you pour that water in and you're leaving enough space at the top for you know however much milk you want again that i'm i'm not mad if you like a lot of milk a little bit of milk that's fine Milk and sugar are almost irrelevant. It's about the tea bag and its relationship with that water. Mm. Once it's in there, three to five minutes minimum, but you're stirring straight away because if you leave it for 30 seconds, this weird algae type scum thing starts to settle on the top and you can't get rid of it. Mm. You spend like two minutes trying to spoon it out of the top, like ladling it out. It's mm. a fucking pain in the ass. So you're stirring, you're stirring, you're stirring, you're stirring. If you want to add sugar at this point, go for it. Add a bit of milk at any stage here, but do not, I just can't stress this enough, Joe. Don't just whip the tea bag out. Now that you've got like a good color and the, the milk's in and you're happy, you've got sugar or no sugar, stick to that three to five minutes. Just do it and stir every now and again so you never get that scum. Yeah. And that tea is gonna hit the spot. It's really, a, it's a labor of love. It's yeah. just, it's about the time. I mean, it's not about anything else. It's about the time. If you want a cup of tea that tastes like a cup of tea, you've got to put a time in. Here's a hypothetical. You've not had your one cup of tea in the day and you're very much looking forward to it. You're, of course, in Andor. Forrest Whitaker, he's in that. Yep. An amazing actor. Let's say you go to Forrest Whitaker's house and he goes, do you want a cup of tea, Doc? And you say, oh, yes, please, Forrest. And he just dips the bag in for like eight seconds, takes it out, puts in a load of milk and puts it in front of you. You've not had your cup of tea yet, so this is it, this is your one cup. Are you going to say, sorry, Forrest Whitaker, I enjoyed you as Idi Amin, but, uh, <laughs> and uh, Ghost Dog Wear of the Samurai is an underrated film as well. Agreed. I can't drink that. Or are you just gonna drink it to be polite? God, that's a tough question. Mm. I think I'm gonna have to say something. Yeah. And, and I, I, I feel confident about it because he's an American and he, he, he'd be trying really hard, but he's, you know, he's wrong by his own birthright. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? He, he's not going to be able to make a cup of tea and that's fine. The next one, five star um, tube station. Oh, brilliant question. 
What's my favourite tube station? Everyone's got one. The vibe, the layout. Yeah. I do love Baker Street. I think may maybe Baker Street is my favourite because it feels like a world within itself. And when I was a kid, those um, mosaics of uh, the tiles of um, Sherlock Holmes. Of course, yeah. I, the Hound of the Baskervilles one always creeped me out, man. And you know I, what? It's got the thing that I love, and it's a dying breed, which is the strange little confectionery shop that you, you always used to get them in uh, stations. Yes. It's a weird That's little right, yeah. shop where the person that works there sees no natural light. No natural light. For like 12 it, it, it hours a day. It would be confectionery or a cobbler. Yeah, and that yeah, was yeah it. the cobblers. Yeah. Now, you know, you might have a prit or whatever, but... Next question. Five-star gig you've ever seen in London? Oh, man. I mean, I've seen some absolute bangers. Uh, One's the, got to come to mind immediately, yeah, the I'm beast, sure. The Beastie Boys uh, Ill Communication Tour, 1995. So the album yeah. was 94. They did a world tour, and I saw them at Brixton Academy in the spring of 95. Uh, and it was amazing. I whited. Yes. Just like you, what you had to do when you're a kid. Yeah, yeah. It's right of passage. Uh, I, was, I would have been like 15 or 16, so... I was definitely drinking K cider or, yes. or hooch or both. Mm. And then someone would have uh, passed me a, a spliff and I would have waited. I pass out, get dragged out. I'm in the uh, St. John's ambulance room with like an old man in his 80s who's saying, don't, you know, don't get up, I get up like this. And he's mm. like, don't get up too soon. Don't yeah. Drink some water. But I'm up like that because I could hear sabotage starting. I was <laughs> like, dude, I, you're really, thank you so much. I've got to get the fuck out of here. I've got to go. Like, like a ghost. Okay, keep drinking water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Back it, loved the show, enjoyed the rest, didn't miss too much. Uh, they were special people. And it's great that, like, they had that thing of being able to be funny, but not be labeled novelty music. Yes. You know what I mean? Which, again, I think is probably like an, one of the many sort of unconscious influences that I have in oh, my I'm head sure, of yeah. how to bridge the gaps that I do. Do you know what I mean? The next one is who is your five star Londoner who lives in this city <laughs> that you could give five stars to and maybe even make mayor if you could. <laughs> wow. Um, I actually don't know his name, but everybody who lives in West London knows who he is. And right? he's just a, show you a local. Him. He basically, this dude, he shouldn't just be the mayor of London. He should be like the prime minister because his whole vibe is just to dress colourfully every day and he's not dressed colourfully he's he's dressed as colourfully as it's possible yeah, for a human his to name's Jamma Jamma Elmi Jamma Elmi check out his Instagram page because he dresses different every day yeah and it's always kind of the same outfit it's like a old fashioned zoot suit mm. but he must have a million of them because every day it's a completely different outlandish garish colour yeah and he draws people to it. he also has like crazy outlandish bikes right and people are constantly stopping him. Like, look at this, his, one of his last posts. He's with fucking Owen Wilson. Owen Wilson. Does, doesn't even tag him, say who he is. Yeah, <laughs> this is yeah, brilliant. yeah, yeah, that is brilliant. Yeah, he, Jammer Elmi. He's literally just a, a vibesy guy. Five-star takeaway. I'll shout out Kilburn Place to keep it Kilburn. Spicy basil. Great Thai food, man. Is it on the high road? On the high road huge portions they just put every dish up by a pound recently and people were losing their fucking shit and yeah. i'm like mate it was so cheap anyway can, <laughs> can we let spicy baz have a pound on every dish like it's it's still way cheaper than everywhere else yeah the very very last question yes five star city that's not london 
Uh, and I'm tempted to say, and also not in New York as yeah, well. Yeah, no, I think that's fair because yeah. I, I have an affinity with that city as well, and I think it's way too obvious. I would say, man, I, f I fucking love Berlin. Yeah? Yeah, I really love Berlin. What is it about Berlin that you like? Techno? You know, I don't like techno at all, and I don't really dance that much in Berlin because it is quite techno heavy. Mm. But there is a place called Yarm, which plays old school reggae. It's outdoor, fucking great. Um, the thing I like about Berlin is, number one, okay, and this is the unavoidable thing, right? It is the heart of, whether it likes it or not, and obviously it doesn't like it, it's the heart of Nazi Germany, <laughs> right? <laughs> and these fucking guys have managed to, the turnaround of all turnarounds, like, yeah. they've, apologized for so long yeah. that now they don't even apologize anymore because it's empty. So what they do is they just open their arms yeah. and say, you're fucking welcome. Come Anything you need, give me a shout. Yeah. Like, they're the coolest people yeah. because of the horrors of the past. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, thank you very, very much for showing me around Kilburn, no, Ben. It's an absolute pleasure. Someone's got to do it. It's been an absolute pleasure, mate. Thank you, Joe. Good to see you again. Well, that was Love Thy Neighbourhood. Thank you so much to my guest, Ben Bailey-Smith, a.k.a. Doc Brown. Uh, if you're going to the Edinburgh Festival, do check out his show Sounds Like, which is at the Underbelly at 10 p.m. It sounds like a really, really good time. It's it's rappers, it's comedians, it's a it's a, an amalgamation of all that sort of stuff. Also on TV, uh, you can catch him in The Sixth Commandment on the 17th of July on BBC One, which looks like a very serious, dramatic TV show, which he's very good at. He's got a lot of uh, acting chops. Um, thanks for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. Give us a wonderful five-star review if you're that way inclined. It helps us a lot. And see you next time. Sometimes you need to make a quick escape. Just the other day, I was enjoying a pint with some time-out friends after work, and I realized that my poor hairy son Cronus was still waiting for his dindins, and I never want my dog to go hungry. Thankfully on free now, the average ride on Black Cab is just six minutes away. One app, more ways to travel. Feel free now. I'm coming, Cronus! Good boy!